Trevor, and on behalf of myself, Lauren, and Leo, welcome home to your Boo Crew on an all-new Adventure in Terror. Spend some time with the extraordinary, multi-award-winning actor, filmmaker, and monster kid, David Dasmalchin. Join us in a celebration of all things horror and his truly inspiring journey informed by this magical genre, including creating his phenomenal comic book series, Count Crowley, and the conclusion of Volume 2, available everywhere now. Hear about how his fascination with a local Kansas City horror host led him to a lifelong obsession with monster movies, collecting, and creating. We talk about the development of his Dr. Fearless character, the future of Count Crowley, his upcoming role in the mysterious new horror film fame producer Roy Lee has been raving about, and so much more in this hour and a half long conversation episode 361 with the tremendous David Dasmalchin is now slaying good evening all you beautiful boils and ghouls it's your old fiend Dr. Fearless here to remind you to listen to the Boo Crew I love that name I wonder if they give me the Boo I always get a little kick out of getting a Boo you get a Boo when you listen to Boo Crew I do do you Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining Bloody Disgusting's Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studios, a truly gifted talent. You've enjoyed his work across his many artistic endeavors, from acting, writing, and producing. A creator who lives and thrives in the realm of dreams and imagination, and is an inspiring example of making your own dreams come true, despite any perceived odds you might face, no matter how seemingly insurmountable. His first feature film role was in the world of one of his favorite characters at the helm of his favorite director, Christopher Nolan's two-time Oscar-winning The Dark Knights, the perfect kickoff to what continues to be a fascinating career that has led him to bring unforgettable characters and moments to life in countless projects alongside the most impactful storytellers and properties of our lifetime. This includes diving further into the DC universe with James Gunn's hyper-violent thrill ride Suicide Squad, CW's Emmy-nominated The Flash, and the Emmy-winning Gotham. He stepped into the Marvel universe in the multi-award-winning Ant-Man franchise, David Lynch's return to Twin Peaks, sci-fi's acclaimed 12 Monkeys series, Dennis Villeneuve's Blade Runner 2049, and the six-time Oscar-winning Dune, literally walking in and through the worlds we all grew up dreaming in. There's been handfuls of wonderful short films and independent features, including one he's written himself, like Keen, Animals, and All Creatures Here Below, earning him close to 14 awards for everything from screenwriting to acting. In everything he does, he brings something so special that you can't even describe it. You just feel it. Perhaps it's a combination of the care he puts into even the tiniest nuances, the physicality, a wink, a sneer, injecting backstory into simply the way he chooses to deliver a line. And you can be rest assured that each time you're not ever going to forget that character. His latest project is a massive passion for him, building the comic book world of a struggling addict turned reluctant horror host of a TV network in a small town available in the Dark Horse imprint. It's Count Crowley. At time of release, we are just at the cusp of issue four, the final chapter of volume two. It is a must read for anyone who's a horror fan. We are honored to welcome the great David Desmalchin. 
That gave me the most incredible, uh, truly emotional uh, feeling. The 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 feels um, I was uh, planning to open this conversation with one of my best horror host cackles, but instead I just have to say thank you so much. That was very very kind, and I'm so grateful to be here. And um, it's always such a gift when. You know, fellow monster kids find one another in this world of ours and people who adore story so much and who adore the darker, you know, places that lurk behind secret bookshelf doorways and <laughs> underneath cryptic collections of haunted dolls and behind, you know, secret passages. And uh, I know I'm in this company right now and I'm just so grateful to be here. So thank you for that. Oh very man. Kind. Likewise. And thank you for thank giving you. us, giving us this stuff to enjoy and to, to help us dream. You know, it's really, really appreciated. You have yeah. no idea, man. Well, it's such a gift. I mean, I, I, like you said, I mean, it's insurmountable odds when you consider in 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 the time that i've been on this earth i've died several times you know always by my own hand i was you know multiple suicide attempts as a drug addict with numerous overdoses and uh you know i believe that science is a miracle but i do believe in miracles that transcend even what we understand and it fascinates me what lurks beyond and i am just so incredibly overwhelmed sometimes when i consider the fact that i'm just alive and that my like faculties are about me that in and of itself is kind of ridiculous but then you consider that i walk into a comic book shop and i see a, a you know like you said a, a book that i've written that it deals with horror hosting and monsters and and, and all the issues that i care about and and that it's a real thing. It's 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 very difficult to understand or comprehend or, or, or for like you guys get how important it is that like say I just finished a film uh, that centers on one of my favorite chapters of Bram Stoker's Dracula. The, these things that I get to do, you know, it's crazy. The worlds of comic books, horror genre, like where I swim on a daily basis. Um, it's it's madness, and I'm so grateful. And I and it sounds like. At this point, I'm still knocking wood, but that I've got two kids, a five and eight year old who seem to be truly engrossed in the the, the joy of being monster kids. Like, oh, that that's is that's, that's huge the best for reward me. ever, yeah. right? That's awesome. We are doing models. We are writing our own choose your own adventure horrors. We're built. We're designing a haunted house right now. Yes. <laughs> uh, working on our costumes, of course, because it's already August. We've been working on them since May. <laughs> nice. So anyway, thanks again. Yeah, you oh, never man. know how it's going to turn out because we have one kid that was born on Halloween. Yeah, born on Halloween. And like for the <laughs> longest time, she would not get into Halloween. Like everything having, she was anti-Halloween and we're like, no, how can that be? It's wasted <laughs> yeah, on you. Yeah, yeah. That's what is amazing. wrong with That's you? That's insane. That's insane. <laughs> but, Oh, has she come around? Night books turned her. Yeah, oh. out of all things, night Yarbo's <laughs> night books. Nice. Dave Yaroveski's <laughs> night books, uh, which is such an awesome film, and it's I I love the movement into gateway horror. Yes. I think yeah. this idea that we can tell stories because we had them when we were young mm-hmm. that were not hard R's. We're not talking Texas Chainsaw, etc. The stuff that you can get into when you're a little more age appropriate, but. My kids were test audience for night books. No they, way. They were. Nice. We sat in Dave's uh, living room down the block with Autumn. And uh, yeah, my kids, Arlo and Penny, sat and we watched night books together. And their feedback, I 
I Dave says to me like how invaluable it was to watch kids watching the film because sure. he could really pick up on the moments at which they were the most engaged, how hard they laughed at certain things and how much they hid behind their pillows. It's others. It was yeah. awesome. They love it to this day. They reference Nightbooks very often. Yeah. <sighs> it's so That's great. Such a cool film. Well, I want to rewind and what was your gateway horror drugs? So the first <laughs> time that I really was moved because I, I always had a fascination with monsters because of, you know, even a, preschool age scooby-doo i love yeah. the, the monsters that came yeah. from all of that but it was a, at a very young age now i was raised in a, a very um religious kind of atmosphere and community and so horror was something that was considered you know kind of off limits so of course i was interested and i um <laughs> tiptoed downstairs uh after most or if not all of the family was asleep on a Friday night to watch Cremation Mortem's Friday Nightmare. And there was this evening, because I'd, I'd seen some stuff before, but either fallen asleep or gotten in trouble and ran back up. The first time I just sat and got lost in a film was watching Oliver Reed in the classic Hammer uh, masterpiece, in my opinion, The Curse of the Werewolf, which uh, is a terrifying, beautiful, tragic movie about this really again tragic hero and i and i was crying both because i was scared crapless i mean his transformations and that makeup is so iconic and it means so much to me because i love werewolves they're one of my favorite monsters but the performance broke my heart too and i was just a little kid and it really it it had a huge imprint on me that was the film that really made a big difference. And did you watch it through Cremacia's Oh, yeah, eyes? yeah. Through Cremacia's eyes. Yeah. What was so great about having your horror host? I don't know. Did you guys grow up with a horror host at all? Did you have a horror host coming up? I grew up Elvira. in... Yeah, yeah, Elvira. Yeah. Great. So yeah. for me, what was so great about having Cremacia, because I didn't have a grown-up or anybody, you know... It, my older brother, for certain, would rent... You know, he was he was my gateway into the harder stuff. Like he's six years older than me. So by the time I was nine, he was 15 and he was VHSing Halloween and mm. TCM and all of these films. That's how I found those, which then led me to our local video store where the guys who were, you know, 15 themselves didn't care what I rented as long as <laughs> it got marked on the little card that was for our families. What if we were like members of this little <laughs> neighborhood account in Wyclef uh video i'll never forget that place but anyway um so so cremacia was fantastic because uh, those films yes some of them were goofy and we're going down the you know the the great annals of rko stuff william castle stuff and all of the hammer stuff some universal stuff whatever she could get her hands on but this is all public domain for the most not even public domain but the stuff that these local you know network affiliates and these smaller stations were getting for dirt cheap so that they could put them on and you know sell local used car ads uh and make some extra money on the weekends and you know um, I th I'm sure there must be there must I always assume there must have been some horror lovers who worked at these stations who approved these shows because right. it's like <laughs> right. how many eyeballs were they getting <laughs> who knows um, but she held my hand in a way she was like the ferryman I, I wrote an article about this not too long ago and that like the ferryman of horror and, and how she made a safe space because she did utilize humor mm. the same way Elvira did the same way they all did there's so few 
you know, um, uh, people who've presented horror in the late night, you know, either local access or TV station kind of uh, horror host community that weren't doing it without their tongues completely in mm-hmm. their cheeks. You know, yeah. like that's just the tradition. And she fulfilled that tradition, man. She was just so funny and safe and loving and warm and hot i had such a crush <laughs> i would like I get in line buddy yeah i would get that's another thing about being raised in this religious you know atmosphere getting the getting the tingles watching her introduce the tingler was like oh my god i was like why do i feel funny watching cremation but i had the hots for her yeah. and here's a quick quick sidebar i did i wrote she would host really cool contests throughout the year. We have a great tradition of haunted houses in Kansas City. I think some of the best in the world. And um, every year she would, you know, here's a contest. If you write a great short story, you do your best drawing. Or if you create a kooky, you know, um, ornament or decoration, there was always contests. And the winner would maybe get to ride in a hearse with Cremacia to the edge oh, of hell haunted house. Oh, and I would oh. enter all constantly entered every contest. And then I'd wait <laughs> on bated breath to see if I ever won. And I never won. And I was always so sad and along with the bigger prizes you were guaranteed her prize package which was this signed uh glossy and a rest in peace card and a personalized personalized thing from cremation years later when um roberta solomon who was who who portrayed cremation created the character noticed on the cremation mortem facebook fan page which i had been a member of for years that I because I would post on there and then she realized that I was an actor that she knew from movies she messaged me and said why are you following cremation I said well she was my hero and blah 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 we became friends one day in the mail I got a manila envelope and it was I think she said it was the last one she had it was her last like cremation prize package that she'd held in storage that's amazing oh, that's probably 1987 <laughs> wow that's awesome that's extraordinary and you're right I mean what she did because you can go online and watch tons of videos of yeah. her introducing horror movies and the way that she did it was so unique from a lot of the other horror hosts. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was around the same time. Like her and Elvira both started in '81, yeah. and she she had a great like. Uh, like you said, a sense of humor about her. She had this like kind of uh, British accent that she'd put on. And she also had great like post-production values too. There was like moving props and yes. it was really involved. They loved their work. And I've loved over the years getting to talk to Roberta and hear all the behind the scenes stories and fascinating. In fact, some of which has, has had an impact, but some of which will have a much even bigger impact on the future of the comic book that I write, which revolves around a woman who is hosting a late night horror show in a Midwest, um, for a Midwest, you know, kind of smaller uh, local affiliate television station. And um, the stories that she's told me and the, the people that she met during that journey have actually really profoundly affected the way that I've shaped some of the the story. And it's huge for me that... Roberta continues to be a fan of the comic book and we've met up before and, and done, you know, photo ops and press together. And it's just like, ah, that's the best well, thing. Crazy, world, man. man. It's <laughs> so cool. It's like, it's like, honestly, I've, I've gotten to meet so many of my heroes, you know, because I'm so gratefully doing the work that I do. And it's insane to me sometimes that people who I'll be in company with or sitting with because of the, what I do, but like getting the opportunity to sit, you know, and and spend time with Stan Lee, 
and getting to sit and spend time with Roberta Solomon slash cremation mortem. Both were like, probably my heart was racing just as much. And if, yeah. if for you, for those who are, you know, uh, not aware, I have been collecting comics since I was about the same age. I first saw curse of the werewolf and I, and I, and, and the comic books are my life, you know? So like, it's a big deal. Yeah. I don't know out of your whole collection, you have like one of the prized, like, it's the golden, you know, it's the unicorn. It's the one that it's your favorite. It's the most. It's so hard to, because I have things that are super valuable. Right. I was always wise as a kid collector. Interestingly, not for the money value, but more for the thought that someday if I was a, if I were a parent, mm. that I thought it would be a really cool thing to bequeath to my kids, like this really solid, well curated alphabetized organized by publisher um story arc organized um i got a little bizarre about it as a kid and i still maybe am um but uh but when i think through that um the you know golden key and ec comic stuff that i caught at even at a young age going in like the 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 long box um back issues that Clint's comics in Kansas city used to sell for so cheap because those weren't things that were, you know, marked as going to be valuable at some point. They were just kind of like older, you know, horror comics. And a lot of them aren't highest graded. Cause I got some of them just out of, but I have some, some real gold in there. Um, specialty ones like Boris, you know, had put, put, put his name and likeness on some really cool comic runs back in the sixties. But um, to be quite honest, it's, it, uh, it, I had a really complicated relationship. I think we all did with my father and uh, everybody always probably says that, but it was complicated, but, and, and I, and I, and he passed, you know, uh, last year and, and I, and I always am, it, it was, it was really wonderful that by the end of his life, we, we had gotten quite close and he had become a really great grandfather and had risen to that role in a way that he just really hadn't as a father, but of the many, you know, um, things that I was just sifting through and thinking about, like, I want to, I want to hang on to what are the the things that he gave me? I'll never forget. He, my dad was one of these, like, you'd never would have asked, asked him for like, if you're at the store, you're at Woolworths, you like, see a spooky record, you know, can I get that? You would just not even think to ask, like, cause that was the dumbest question. You probably get in trouble for even thinking to ask, like, <laughs> could I get that toy? Could I get that thing? Which I'm the opposite now. My kids, oh my god, I'm the worst. <laughs> yeah, that's what Can happens. I get that? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got it. I'm so bad. Um, so, so he uh, two two things, and one one I'll we'll, I'll, I'll say second. But as far as the comics go, we were in a like a, a convenience store right near that video that local video store where I used to go get um, movies. Like, oh my god, I was so young when I think about how young I was when I watched Last House on the Left. Like, it's so <laughs> insane. But, but he, I, I saw comic on a spinning rack and it was like oh like the light moment you know and i was like can i could i get that and it was the avengers number 249 is uh captain marvel's front and center with um a group of other avengers surrounding her and they're facing off against um i can't even think of it but anyway that that comic uh was the first one that i ever bought and he he got it for me and it led me to my love of the old ads in the backs of comics mm. to why i loved tracing comics and then it got me to go to a comic shop because then i wanted more um and i have it framed 
And I actually told Stan when I met Stan, I said, Stan, I've got, I've kept every comic I've ever bought. And now I'm nervous that my kid, I'm going to give it to him. And all he's going to say is like, yeah, but you can't teach me how to throw a curveball. So what good is this? And I'm like, and Stan took it. And Stan has, has written on that book for me. And he, he, he engraved it to my kids for me. And uh, oh, that's so that amazing. one's like personally, the other thing my dad did, and I'll never forget this too. He's so weird. The, the few times I would have ever asked him for anything. It was it was Halloween night, and I you should you know add some lightning there. It was Halloween night, <laughs> some rain. It was a dark night in Kansas. The sun hadn't set yet, and we were at Montgomery Wards, and they had a vinyl record um, that was a, a Halloween record, and it said the Monster Mash on it, but a Dracula on the front and blood dripping down. And I thought that looked so cool, and I was second grade. And I asked if I could have that. And he didn't think twice about it. It was just so weird that he would ever, because you should be like, you wouldn't even say, could I get could I get that candy bar? You would never. You'd get in so much trouble. Like, could I get that? And he just, he just got it. Whatever he was buying, tools or something. And he threw it in. Took it home. It's a true story. Took it home. Put it on the record player. So excited. One side is like bubblegum pop, the monster mash, a uh, purple people eater, a couple other weird ones. Does your bubblegum lose its flavor on the bedpost overnight? And I think, um, <laughs> I haven't heard that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then, and then you flip it over and it was the sounds of Halloween. Oh, and wow. it was the, and it, and I had the lights low and a jack-o'-lantern sitting on the old record player. And I started sobbing. It scared me so bad. It scared the pants off of me. My mom, very religious woman furious at my dad took it put it back he said take that back and he did and um and he took it back to the store and got it, and i was in massive trouble but i was hooked you guys from then on and to this day one of the things when you come to my house and see part of my collection my incredible wife has been so gracious that she lets me she's framed them and most of them line the second floor hallway in our in our home um, I've been collecting those old vinyl sounds of Halloween wow. records um, since I got to about age 14 or 15. Then I was like, then I could do my own thing and I could go sit, use my, you know, lawn mowing money or whatever to buy whatever the hell I wanted. And back then you could get them for nothing. I'd get them at garage sales or I'd get them in record stores. Now I'm, I've pretty much bought anyone that's ever been printed or made except for there's some outliers that are going to be probably big investments, but that's okay. That's amazing. That's awesome. Did you ever get into any of the Warren stuff like creepy or were you oh, famous God. monsters I, guy? I, I, I've got as many originals. I've bought every reprint. I mean, I have oh. all the reprinted stuff. Dark Horse did an incredible line. Did you ever see those? Yeah. They really bound them and, and yep. annotated them nicely. Them. They're mm-hmm. beautiful books, but the originals, yes, I've, and I, and I, for the people who love me and my friends and family, it's funny when it comes times for things like birthdays and Christmas or whatever, I just am. This is not, I, I'm so blessed. There's nothing I want for other than time with friends to play game. I love gaming, playing games, um, and like old creepy or eerie magazines. Yeah. Or if you could find a Halloween record I don't own, blow my mind. <laughs> That's something like, and it's, it's a great, like it'd be hard it's to a do. challenge yeah. for my wife, but she nails it sometimes. Wow. She got me, uh, the last Harry Houdini seance, uh, album, which I hadn't been able to track down. She found that for me recently. That, was that cool. is I really cool. Recently. I didn't know they pressed that on vinyl. Yeah, his it was his wife. Yeah, it was a recording and on the Halloween pressing right? was done on. Yeah, the pressing was was not that. Maybe it was done in the '60s or '70s, I think. But I I just 
I haven't even got to open or really enjoy it yet because it it came and I've been traveling yeah. so much. I just uh, I just got back from doing a really cool horror film in um, Australia, actually. So horror is my life, as you guys <gasps> know. But is, um, is that uh, is that the one Roy, Roy Lee? We were talking to Roy Lee recently. Yep. yep. And he nice. said there's this one. It's a talk show. It's called uh, Late Night with he, the he, Devil. He said you. Like he's yeah, like the world yeah. is not ready for this yes, movie. Like yeah. he was he losing said, his mind yeah. over it, and your performance especially. Yes. Well, he is too kind. I, I all I can say is that if you guys, I mean this, if you have one tenth, ten percent as much fun watching this fucking movie as I had making it, you're gonna love it. Like if you have even like a fraction of as much fun as, as I had making that movie, it was so, it was such an awesome experience. Oh my God. So since we were talking about collecting, do you keep things from your movies? I do, but trinkets like nothing that is like not like the polka dot man suit or anything. No, no. I costumes, et cetera. I haven't, um, I haven't been in, I think if you're intentional about that and you have, and you put in the effort, it is possible for yeah. sure. I think there's ways to, but I've kept one thing from, and I'm going back to like, you know, backtracking a bit. Like, so I said, I, I it's a miracle that I'm here. And I, and I had studied classic and trained with theater in Chicago. And then my addiction to opiates really kind of bottomed my life out for a number of years. And then I almost died and then miraculously got back on my feet Never thought I would act again. I just wanted, I thought I'd write, rent movies and work a job that I didn't love, but I was so grateful to be alive. I didn't care. I was just like, I have a futon. Sure. <laughs> I, could get a, I, could get a, I could get a Totino's pizza and, and, and rent what? whatever yeah, I want. Exactly. I had an unlimited, you know, at that point I was a blog, at Blockbuster. This would have been in like, you know, the, the mid to the mid aughts, 2004, 2005. I was several years clean at that point. I was just like, wow. And then I got on stage, some friends who knew me from my previous life got me back on stage and I just decided I was always like, I've got, when I played Tom Wingfield in the glass menagerie, the glasses that Tom wore, um, I have polka dot man's thumb from when he is infected with the virus and he's <laughs> glowing and his body is, blo- you know, nice. I have little things like that. Um, so Yes, that's the answer is I do. I've got something. I mean, I've got Abracadabra's wand. I've got this little, little things, the things that I can. You didn't hear. I can't believe I just said that. That's going like, <laughs> it's on the, it's going down on my permanent record, as the violent femmes would say. Yes, this is on my permanent record. Um, I'm not going to say anything else that I've taken, but <laughs> that's, you, I'm, that's I'm, I'm, I'm motivated, man. Since, since you're collecting vinyl, I'm going to find you the one vinyl you don't have. Okay. The Halloween sounds of the Baba Yaga. <laughs> what is that? Because <laughs> you know she hunts my sink at night. She makes my fossil. Do you know, drip, do you drip, know that I drip. get a check from ASCAP? Twice a year, maybe three times a year, because I sang the Baba Yaga come at night, little children sleepy time. Yeah, I may, I did this song, I sang it, and then that meant because it was included in the film, and on there, they did a really cool record that came out with Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah. I joined, like I joined ASCAP, and I get, I get, I get money because I sang no a song way. about the Baba Yaga. That's awesome. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. Did you ever visit uh, the Acker Mansion? 
Any of Forey's? No, and it kills me. I just wrote a film uh, that is coming along excitedly nicely and Forey's a character actually no in way. the film oh, man. um and i never got to go there i um big warren publishing guy like i have um been collecting i loved the trinkets and the stuff that was sold out the back. like mm-hmm. i've got several of the dracula amulets oh. um the the dirt from dracula's castle yeah. with, that came with the certification card actually gave one as a gift to um, Andre Overitall, who directed yes, uh, yeah. Last Voyage of the Demeter, um, when we, before we started filming Demeter, because I knew he's a monster kid too, and that he would appreciate something like that. And he wore it every day of filming uh, for good luck. And um, I also gave, yeah. I mean, I, I, I try not to give them away because I love them so much, but I, and I wear mine pretty often. <laughs> That's yeah. so cool. I've never I've never ordered anything out of the back of any comic book as long as I mean, yeah, I remember as a kid always looking at it and just being like, these things look extraordinary. Yeah. Life-size creatures, all this different stuff you could yeah. order. And you I'm realize too, like when you ordered the ghost that will scare your friends, guaranteed to scare your friends. Of course, I would figure out how to get I'd I'd send cash and they'd say don't get send cash, but I knew I'd get in trouble if I asked for my parents. My yeah, parents are right gonna write a check. A check. Something, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So I do cash or whatever. It's sometimes nothing would come, but like Johnson Smith Company and these other companies that did all the advertising in the backs of comics when we were kids, um, I got some stuff, including, you know, the, the ghost that will scare your friends, guaranteed to scare the H blank blank L out of your friends. And then it shows up and you're so excited <laughs> and you open it up and it is this crappy plastic square. It's a trash bag. I'm not joking. It's a trash bag. That has a dumb ghost face painted on one, like it's a white, black, oh, I'm sorry, a white trash bag with black <laughs> ghost face painted, like a really simple, basic, crappy ghost face, um, a balloon, and I think the string might have not even come with it. And then the idea is you blow the balloon up and you tie the string to it and you drape this plastic bag over it and you, you're supposed to drape that put the string up and that's your floating ghost. Oh my God. But that... here's the thing. This is what I love about those because I would still, you, they, they made you believe in something. Sure. And there was most, because they were so cheap, it was 15 cents or 75 cents or you'd send a dollar fifty to get the special surprise grab bag. And you go, holy crap, the, the excitement, the anticipation, the, the magic, the mystery in that, like what's going to be in that box when it shows up. That to me is everything. And I... That's all the stories that I want to tell. And I it's it's the magic I'm trying to create and and help my kids feel feel because it's just such a wonderful it's a feeling. Gift. It's and the that's best what gift of in, all. in a way kind of movies can do that and, and comic books can kind of do that. And um yeah, sometimes the cover is just the best part of the whole thing. But even that's all right for me. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Have you ever had a paranormal experience? I've had several. You know, I believe that I believe in science. Like I'm a, I'm a science guy all the way, but I do believe that there are things beyond what we understand and how we can rationalize. And, um, I believe that one of the reasons that, you know, um, energy, um, it, it can affect us from beyond just motivating, you know, the atoms within is also from the atoms without. And I think that there's ways that, energy and atoms and molecules interact with one another that absolutely transcend what we understand yet. Like we know that we're only seeing 
a portion of what actually exists around us. Like most scientists can even agree on that. Like we don't even really, we don't see all the colors in the spectrum. We don't see all of the matter in the spectrum. So when something from the other side has maybe touched uh, my life in somewhere, something that is unexplainable or something that would be, you know, fall under the category of the supernatural. Um, I've always been as skeptical as I possibly could until I couldn't come up with any reason to 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 be able to explain it and i accept that that is that it that it exists that all you know i mean this whole thing is such a fucking mystery what we're doing and why we're doing it and what purpose any of this has and if um and if you know and and if you're closed off to that i think you're really denying yourself um part of the the wonder but also just part of the the fulfilling journey that life can be and um you know, there's things that lurk in the shadow. I don't know. I don't, I don't, what I, I don't know if I, I'm still on the fence about the concept of evil. I feel really interesting about that lately. I feel like even people who, to me, embody evil that I've seen, let's say even in the last six years of being an American, things that I've seen that have rocked me to my core and scared the living crap out of me. And I'm like, is that just unresolved childhood trauma? I don't know. Serial killers, you know, I used to like revel in like the 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 fun of like, you know, um thinking about John Wayne Gacy as this fun scary, you know, the clown is this, it's a terrifying, you know, uh kind of archetype for us, but when you break it down and sadly in being an actor and portraying, you know, characters that do this stuff, you recognize how much of it is is usually, you know, psychiatric, mm-hmm. you know, issues and stuff. But I don't understand about the universe and what haunts me and keeps me up at night and it has since i was a little kid is this ever um present you see the lights flicker yeah Yeah. (laughs) darkness that seems hell-bent on convincing tricking by the way because i believe it's deceptive deceiving us into believing that we are alone I think that is the most terrifying thing and I and it's haunted me since I was a kid and mm-hmm. it's something I have to continually work to um battle because there is a force in in my experience of the universe and the way I've experienced being a human that I cannot explain why I see it permeate people from every walk of life every gender every country every place that I've been there's one thing that that seems to torment them all and it happens in so many different ways which is one of the weird tricks about it It, it, it's what makes us feel alone is that it's just people constantly battling this this nagging sense that nobody that they're alone in this world that nobody gets it that they're that at the end of the day you know they're they're just on this solitary journey which couldn't be further from the truth man like like we we literally all underneath all of the you know all of the 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 adornments have kind of the exact same needs and wants and there's something that is so unifying for us and it's what's driven me to want to you know end my life numerous times and thank god it's been decades since i've been in that place but i i just that's the that's the closest thing i ever have felt to like it, like a dark supernatural but i think there's a also a beautiful lightness in the supernatural i mean my mom passed in 2020 right as we were 
kicking into the joy of the pandemic. Um, <laughs> add one more wonderful thing to the dumpster fire that was the summer of 2020. My mm-hmm. mom just died out of nowhere. We were so close. We were so... Oh, she's like one of my best friends. And um, and it just happened so suddenly. And she's got ripped from our lives. And I thought she had decades left. And I was devastated. It happened in... <laughs> happened the night I tried through the I was trying to persevere and stay positive through the pandemic at that point Count Crowley had been kind of canceled and all of my acting work was just every I mean we were all living in like isolation mm-hmm. yeah. and I tried through isolation to host a um, a a virtual um, gathering of horror hosts past and present and the whole thing had a major technical malfunction at like right when it was supposed to start. And all these oh. hundreds of people were l- trying to watch and the whole thing just stopped working. And I was so devastated. We were going to all watch the old dark house together after we did this horror host gathering too. I was like, then we'll all sit and watch a movie together. And we'll, and I wanted to like create a community online, you know, and it kind of just went kaputs. And I was so devastated. I was like, what else you got? And then the phone rings. And it's like, oh, my mom died. And, um, and I went into like a massive spiral. And I, 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 I was crying so hard. And I, in the morning, because I was up all night kind of talking to my stepdad in the morning. It was the sun came out and I needed to get something out of me. So I went, I just started running. And I'm running. And um, this butterfly was like, haranguing me i was so crazy she was like in my face and like it was like i was like what are you doing and and i and i was jogging down the street um uh in sherman oaks and all of a sudden um the butterfly like got in front of me and like i was like you know what fuck this i'm okay what i was following the butterfly i'm gonna follow this butterfly and i I follow her right up onto the sidewalk because I was running in the street. I follow her on the sidewalk. And as I step onto the sidewalk, a car, not joking, going probably 90 miles an hour, screams around the corner like some maniac out of her mind, right where I had been jogging and speeds past like it was the craziest thing. And I just kept following this butterfly and people listening are probably like, this guy's whacked. But I oh. believe my mom has oh. visited me since she's been gone. In ways that I can't even explain. I'm sorry that was a long story, but no. you asked oh, no, if I no, believe no, no. in the oh, other, I, wow. I the supernatural. Um, and so, yes, I believe in a, the light. I believe we're all going back to this place where we're going to get to be together. And if that means we're all curled up together, you know, down in some uh, uh, rec room of a, of a 1980 suburban house where we get to finally feel warm and safe and watch horror movies together or everybody's going <laughs> to listen to Pink Floyd together. Whatever we're all going to do together, I think we're going to all be together. Even the people that we think hate us and the people that we think we hate. I think when we figure it all out at some point, way down, whatever our energy is, we'll all be together. Um, but I, uh, But there's a darkness, man, and it freaks me out and it's it's manifest itself in so many ways over my life. That's why I was such a fan and sat up all night listening to, you know, coast to coast AM. And I yes. believe in, I believe in extraterrestrial life. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe in, <laughs> so um, I believe I love the cryptoids and I love to think about, you know, what lurks on the other side of what we know in science. And is that all the, is that what keeps you, uh what guides you towards the light in those times when you feel that darkness is it all these things is it horror is it 
cryptoids and and and, and all that that stuff what is it of course sure you out. Yeah, yeah it does it does because staring down the barrel uh is like kind of cleansing for me sure. you know i'm if there's the thing i'm terrified the most <clears throat> of it's death i just don't I don't know how to not, I've been scared of death and obsessed with death since I was a kid. And that sounds ironic for someone who struggled with suicidal ideation. But I think the reason I did was because I was like, I just don't want to wait any longer. Let's get this over Mm. with. This is all one big pointless dance that ends the same way for everybody. Mm. So what's the point of it? That's so sad to think about a young kid feeling that way, but it was just the way my brain was misfiring. And, um, and then I, you know, you find, well, there's so many different things about horror that make it so amazingly, you know, um, therapeutic for us. The laughter when it's schlock, you know, the joy when it's just gonzo. If you know, if you're into that kind of thing, you know, mm-hmm. you watch something like Dead Alive and you can just go, wow, man, like the extreme blood splatter to the wall of it all. But also the abject horror. I was raised again in a religious um environment that to me i'm not and i don't think i'm not i'm never going to shit on people's religion or religion for that matter i think that there's ways that that people can find you know practices of belief that are really probably you know incredibly powerful for them i just happened to be raised in a in a in a in a in a dogma that was fairly if not predominantly toxic and 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 uh unhealthy in in my professional opinion um and so things like The Exorcist were really liberating for me too, because I was raised with a lot of that stuff, and it was really cool to like. Um, I don't know. It gives you some control. It does. Know? It does. Yeah. It really does. I wanted to. I mean, something on this this level. I didn't want to get into it this this uh, this soon in the chat, but there is some very poignant writing and messages in the architecture of the Count Crowley books. And along these lines, uh, there's one line that I wrote down from Doom to Die, and it is hope is a dreamer's distraction. Ooh. And oh, then, and man, then in, Vincent is just right. The tears running down his face and it and it and it is. And, and that's such a sad point of view, you know, but he, but many of us have felt that way. Mm-hmm. How many of us mm-hmm. have felt like, what's even the point of hope? You know, I'm sure there was a time in your lives when you didn't think that you would get to do the cool job that you get to oh, do yeah. or that you guys didn't think you would find somebody that matched you so perfectly or that you would live in a place that, you know, that we've all been at these points where we're just like, what is the point? But in writing Count Crowley, I have been able to, um, marry my deep passion for the the medium that is the comic book there's something really special about storytelling in a visual format that page turning is crucial to the way you structure you know story and act breaks and uh scares yeah like i love the idea i don't i haven't achieved it yet but the idea that i could achieve a jump scare with a comic book is something i salivate about thinking about every time i'm writing and thinking about page numbers and where i want certain frames to land and if not if not jump scares at least gasps or at least the feeling that people might really need to turn the page um so you've got that magic then the magic of art you know and and when you find a partner like i have like lucas kettner who is you know bernie wrightson in my opinion of our time you just 
salivate every time he sends you a new, you know, PDF. And then um, my love of horror hosts and horror hosting and horror, you know, the horror tradition. And, and as you've seen thus far in, you know, the two volumes that have been released of Count Crowley, um, a pretty, pretty um, sticking pretty close to maybe what many would describe as like the universal horror monster kind of tradition or the, you know, classic monsters, um, which are very important to me. Although those won't be the only kinds of monsters Jerry will encounter, but they're, they're very significant. Um, but underneath all that, man, it's that to be, to be able to write about those particular issues that the feeling of abject loneliness that so many of us experience and, and the, and the way that we get tricked by, you know, society, by our own minds, by, you know, living in a, a system that needs us to feel like we're missing, um, important elements of our life it's what keeps us sadly clicking and looking and scrolling and tuning and buying you know it's yeah. like they gotta convince us that we don't have what we yeah. think we should have or we're not really it's just part of and we've all signed up for it so i'm not here to you know give some big sociological talk about it it's just it's what it is probably no matter what where we lived it's how we'd feel but um but I get to write about that in between the lines. I try not to, 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 to come out with my sledgehammer and hit people over the head with my big ideas about, you know, life, but the, the horror and the, and the, 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 the demon that is addiction and which my hero character, Jerry Bartman struggles with is as volatile and as, um, as, as dangerous to her as the, and the, as the vampires, werewolves, bilitombia, which are zombies and other creatures that she has to encounter. Um, and so, uh, every time I write it, it count Crowley, it, it's, it, it, it is the most, I'm just so grateful. It's the most perfect kind of, uh, uh, amalgam of all the things that matter the most to me. And again, writing stories that if somebody out there, you don't have to, you don't, I, 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 I assure you, you don't have to be someone who struggled with alcoholism or addiction to appreciate count Crowley, but um, but I do think if you are someone who struggles with alcoholism or addiction or of any of its manifestations, um, you'll get a little extra insight in there, um, when you're reading it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Where did the idea come from? Was this something that was brewing for many years? Or just, many uh, years, really? man. Decades. So going back to Clint's comics and finding old horror comics and my love of horror, um, hosts, I had this idea very young that it would be really cool to, to, to have a superhero who is, who, who, who has, um, a secret identity um, and they their 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 they their cover is being a horror host and so i always imagined um this guy you know jerry that was a real more of a badass less bumbling you know definitely like cool horror host um and then who knows all the secrets of monsters and and how to destroy monsters because he spent so much time studying horror cinema of course yeah yeah so then i remember i was in maybe oh gosh fifth grade i don't i was young my brother was um had rented fright night and roddy mcdowell yes. you know plays uh i can't believe i, I can't think Wait, of the characters name. Yeah, yeah yeah he's a he's he's this late night horror host and they go to him to get help to how do you fight a vampire he's like what are you talking about i don't know these aren't real and I remember thinking like, oh, that's kind of like my idea, except my guy would be like a real vampire. Well, then life happened and I grew up <laughs> and I was an addict and an alcoholic who nearly died 
but I kept watching horror and reading, you know, Fango throughout, you know, the, 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 the eighties and into the, you know, into the, into the, into the adult years, I became more obsessed, um, with comics and horror. They tend to be one of the only constants I had over those years of struggling, um, with my disease. And, um, and then I and then I started to rethink and, and retool what what this might be about. And I got serious about writing in 2006 when I wrote my I was writing short plays, plays, short films. And I wrote my first feature film um, called Animals, which is about addiction. And um, and somebody had said to me, you know, write what you know, write what you know. It's the best place to come from. And that doesn't mean it has to be literal doesn't mean, you know, but it should come from a place that in your heart where you're wrestling with questions and things that you want to understand. So I, so I dug into that and, um, and then we entered this strange time and all of this was starting to make sense to me. And I started thinking of it as like maybe a movie or possibly even a TV show. And I was like, this guy, he's a horror, he's a horror host, but really he's a monster hunter and he struggles with maybe mental illness or addiction issues. And that was making sense to me because the battle within was going to be so crucial for him to be able to win the battle without. Mm. And then we got into this crazy phase where people were just saying absolute lies on national television and and or calling anybody who questioned them liars. You know, you could say. Well, you're uh, bankrupt this many times and they go, that's a lie. And then a bunch of people go, oh, we well, said it's a lie. So that's a lie. And they go, well, we have all this evidence here that you bankrupted all these. Things. And they go, well, that's just a lie. Yeah. And they go, oh, my God. And you go, fake news. This term got created called yeah. fake news. Yep. And I was like, what? Are the, how do the monsters manipulate us the most would be through fake news and information genius. so they've been the spilling all of this fake news and information into literature and movies for centuries because they nearly lost the battle if you think about it humanity had these great warriors of old when we think about greek mythology and ancient monster hunting japanese to african to you know all of our western traditions we kind of won all those battles we beat them all back into submission but a couple outliers and survivors stayed in the caves started working with necromancy and magic and conjuring and creating and and sorcery and there comes some oh werewolves is a good creation and vampires make really good you know generals and leaders for us and other monsters and we're screwed if we try and take humanity on face on because they're the humans and so who who better to have you know, defeat the humans than the humans themselves. And we're going to infiltrate them by creating all this fake information and news in, in the world of count Crowley. If you took a, a a wooden stake and tried to stick it to a vampire's heart, it would laugh at you. You know, there's no easy way to kill a vampire as you'll learn in the world of count Crowley. In fact, a werewolf is next to nearly impossible to kill a silver bullet. Won't do it. So I'm almost there. I've almost got the whole thing noodled out. And then it was so crazy, you guys. I was like, I think I'm going to write this and and try and pitch it around town. Because now I'm an actor who's getting to know people and I'm working in this business. And I'm starting to work with a lot of people in the horror community and the world of um, everything from publishing, but mostly in film and television, you know. Yeah. And I go, um, I was talking to, it was so weird. Within the course of a week, there was we were going into the, the Me Too movement was big. But there was a number of my own best friends and the people closest to me who happened to be women who each just uh, non-connected to the other ones happened to be in conversation with me and telling me some story that made my stomach churn 
about some way in which they'd been basically um, victimized and yet no one believed them because once again, it was kind of billed as fake news or a lying woman or you know something like that. And then it, it like it all hit me and I was like, Jerry is not Jerry with a Y. It's not a guy. It's a woman. And I understand the last thread of this and what is going to be the, the thing that pushes her and who will be the biggest monster in Jerry's life will, will not be um, someone that you and I would, you know, define as a monster from the outside. Probably this, this other individual who's going to, be pretty prominent figure in the in the series so so i had all that together i said to an executive and creator and um amazing you know prolific um uh show producer who i was working for at the time i've got this idea could i could i could you help me you know how do i pitch this and he said well come in um and 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 let me know and then i'll and then i'll and i'll come up and help you figure out how to tell you how you how you go and pitch this and so I did. And when he heard my idea, he was like, I love this. I think you should meet Mike, Rickard, Mike Richardson at Dark Horse. I feel like you should, you're a comic book guy. You should write this out, really flesh the idea out as a comic book, and then see if there's any other medium that you'd want to, you know, tell the story through. But I really think that this is a match made in heaven. And a few months later, I was, you know, sitting with Mike Richardson and the rest of the Dark Horse family at Comic-Con in San Diego. And they were saying, we want to build this with you and we'll let we'll give you the tools you need to tell the story. And and here we are today. That's how it all happened. The Boo Crew will be right back. Somewhere in the deepest recesses of the human soul, there lurk vague cravings, strange fears. And hidden here lie the mysterious, the primeval longings that can twist a normal man into a snarling monster. That is the age-old curse of the werewolf, brought to you now upon the motion picture screen in drama unparalleled in its sheer shock, its fascinating horror. Curse of the werewolf. You'll recoil in terror as before your eyes a handsome young man transforms himself into an evil thing with the head and appetite of a wolf. You'll stare transfixed as he returns to normal appearance once his cravings have been appeased. What was this strange urge to kill and kill? Who alone had the power to stop it? The screen's perfect thriller in color. Curse of the Werewolf. <laughs> What about the design of Crowley herself? I took, oh man, dozens and dozens of pages. I would, I would cobble together. I do this with all my projects, but especially with this one, the visual, the visual tone, my editor who I was matched with, we couldn't have been a better fit. Her name's Megan Walker. She's so brilliant. And she said, give me the idea of what you're looking for. Cause she, cause you can give me a list of artists you want, but sometimes that's a really tiff, tough sure. game to play because who's available who's on top let's let's just think with what you're looking for first so i went back to ec and gold key yep. and old stuff and all of my favorite creepy and eerie magazine covers and issues and a style there some kind of mad and cracked you know visuals that because i wanted to evoke a little bit of a feeling of an early 80s um tone uh and then what contemporarily that i thought you know evoked and was willing to push I wanted to push the boundaries with violence on 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 the page. Uh, I really did want to see how 
how gory we could get mm-hmm. without um, being distasteful, <laughs> although I'm always distasteful. <laughs> um, and uh, so I created these documents and some video. I would c- cut, you know, scenes from films together and things, you know, thinking like this. Well, I want this tone. I want to evoke this feeling when someone's reading the comic that I wrote so specifically, Man. like my descriptions of what i could see in those first images that one that that's you're holding up yeah, yeah yeah that's my favorite yes oh yeah that was i'm gonna book like that in the first in the first issue yeah <laughs> that was that was signature moment when lucas sent me the his 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 pencil of that i i was i mean i already knew we were a match made in heaven but at that point i was like this is just now i'm now i'm in heaven so anyway i took all that stuff i sent it to megan she sends me a, a, a list of a couple names, but she said, I really think it's going to be Lucas Kettner. And I was like, I love that guy. Is he, how do you get him? Like, is he available? She's like, I've met, I know Lucas. I, we have a relationship or at least they had, they knew one another somehow. So she reaches out to Lucas. He said, I've got a window coming up. Uh, what's the book? She sends him my, at that point I had like a kind of a Bible for where, what the book was about. Mm-hmm. So I had like, you know, outline and treatment and script one. Um, they all go to Lucas a day, maybe two later. I get an email from Megan and I think it may have just said, holy shit, but it had a PDF attached and Lucas had sat up just sketching what he thought Jerry would look like. He loved the book so much. I mean, he immediately got it on all of its different levels and layers. And it was the Jerry we know today. The design of Jerry was exactly what he's, he sent me. I mean, there's little variations. It's a really cool. If you get the trade paperback for volume one and you look in the back, you can see the the same document Lucas sent me. I wanted to include in that book, but there's different iterations of jerry but i i said i mean and i didn't even say this that explicitly i felt like i said it in the writing but i was going to say it explicitly because once i sent this out i got nervous what we were going to get back and i'm not shitting on this guys trust me because i love it just as much as everybody else's but what i didn't want was the monster hunter woman who had the midriff shirt or this mini skirt or the ripping thing with the you know the bar it wasn't this she she's sexy don't get me wrong i think jerry bartman is incredibly sexy in a sloppy punk rock she'll knock you out kind of way right but yeah. she's not the way we've traditionally been presented with women who fight monsters which you know has and that's I, I'm not trying to be any I'm not shitting on all of the amazing tradition of those monster hunters because trust me I love me uh, some hack slash and Vampirella mm, and yeah, all yeah, of yeah, them yeah, you yeah, know yeah, yeah. but I wanted Jerry to be just sloppy and punk and more Susie Sue sure. than anything and he just handed it to me put her in the combat boots and the jeans and like the way he came up with the character design was like all that i had ever dreamed and um and that's it man we've been partners ever since he and i just i mean we've done volume two now we are working on tons of our own you know things and and dreams and we just did a a team up with steve niles for this it's going to come out at halloween it's where jerry from count crowley and 
um, um, Cal from um, from his criminal macabre meet at a horror uh, event and <sighs> shit goes off the rails. Um, we <laughs> just did a, a partnership with the guys at last podcast on the left who I love. If anybody's ever listened to that show, they're really funny guys and they're they know a ton about stuff I love. But we did they have a comic book. We did a we did a piece for that. And it's just a blast, man. Oh, man. Yeah. Lucas damn. is a genius. He's a genius. Oh, yeah. And no. Lauren, our colorist. I mean, she's been the same colors to yep. every book. Frank, my letterer, he nails it. The tone, the look. I'm so lucky. I have the same crew with me for it. And I hope my dream is that the book just keeps The audience slowly keeps growing. And the, you know, thanks to people like yourselves wanting to want and willing to talk about it. It gets more and more, you know, of an audience. And, uh, and, and I, I, I know exactly where I want this shit to go. And I hope I get to, to keep to get to get there because um how many volumes do you think it would take to get it to where you want it, <laughs> want it to be i would love if i if i could i i know already what six volumes would look like like i know exactly what would happen in the course of six volumes um but i i, I dream of 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 a world in which it's a story with no end too yeah. um because there could be other characters exactly. that are going to come but i know exactly right now if you said, Dave, quit all the acting gigs for the next, you know, year, we want you to just f- around the clock be working on, you know, the next six volumes of, or the next four volumes of Count Crowley. I could do it because um, I know where where we the need to go. I haven't filled in all of the blank spaces yeah. in between, but there's, oh man, there's so many. There's so many monsters. There's so much. <laughs> yeah. I love the mechanics of how this works. I mean, first of all, you said something about the ability to make a jump scare happen in a comic yeah, book. And yeah. I think he did that really well with that meth werewolf. Thanks, man. For me. That, Thanks. Was, that was that exact moment yeah. for me. But I also love uh, e- even like whenever she says something in a cold tone, how the word bubble takes on the little ice around it. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I'd never seen anything like that before. And I was like, I read it. Like, I could see and hear her reading those words the way they were put that way. Thanks. And I also love how each issue starts with the pre- the ending of the previous issue, but from a different perspective. Either, like, one's in, in, inside the car, and then you see it from outside the car. You see yes. it from another character's prescri- perspective. Yeah. Was that in, an intentional idea that you had to them, or how did that work? It was... There's there's an, an, an intention behind it, and it also is a really useful tool when you've got people who are consistently reading the book who know, but some people do just pick up midway through, and you're trying yeah. to help insert them in a way that it'll grab them, and then hopefully they go back and look, and they can make connective you know uh tissue between sure. the the thing that they've now read ahead in the story of but i um i love the idea of continuing to try to usurp people's expectations yeah. and so doing that has been beneficial also we don't know when jerry's being watched and when she's not we don't know what other creatures are lurking around mm-hmm. uh we don't know what else is taking place around beloit we don't know who else is aware of her yet we don't know where count crowley is remember yeah. like the original count crowley has somehow gone missing and that's something we haven't even been to really able to scratch the surface of yet so where we where we view the action from um is really critical and 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 it's you you pull up that example of the 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 image that 
that happens the night Jerry first encounters Stephen the werewolf in the parking lot of yeah. her first broadcast of the Count Crowley show, and she drops the bottle of booze. It smashes on the side wall or on the 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 parking lot ground, and in the reflection of the booze, we see the moon. So we've got her alcoholism there. We've got the monstrosity of that, her fear, but also this strange kind of courage and this strange ability she has to be able to like narrowly get out in time. She's not a badass fighter yet, but she's able to get away. There are those shots in the comic that I write so explicitly that they take up half a page of script, you know, where I write the expedition exposition. But there are times often where I just write what I know I need Jerry's eyes to convey, let's Hmm. say. But I don't know how to do that. And Lucas is just a master. Because I'll say, you know, there's times when Jerry might say like something with that the the just the words on the paper sound like the words of someone with uh, utmost confidence, but I need her eyes to betray that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, oh, so yes. like yeah. he just nails it, and I want you as the reader to have that experience and to get caught up in the emotion, the caring, as we see with Vincent Frights, getting into where all of this, all of this came from, who he is now. When you read Doom to Die and you look back, you know, to events that happened at the beginning of the 20th century in his life, um, uh, you can get hopefully a space in your heart opened up for these characters. Cause to me in horror, that's the best time to then scare the shit out. Of yeah. Them, right. Exactly. Like you gotta, you gotta be, care. You gotta yeah. care. You've got to make people really invest in and open, open their hearts. And then, and then the stakes matter. Yeah. Right. Yep. That's the difference. I, there are fun. As I said, there's all kinds of horror. And sometimes it's fun to watch a bunch of assholes get picked off yeah. one by one because yeah. that's just a some weird need we have probably that we're satisfied. <laughs> Cathartic. Yeah. <laughs> but there is also something about caring deeply about, you know, a Laurie Strode or whatever, you yes. know, that yeah. makes you really feel like them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'd yeah. love to see action figures. I would um, love to see action figures. So I hope the folks um are listening out there. I've gotten readful things. Uh, he's such an amazing artist. He oh, did. Yeah. Uh, he did one of my Doctor Fearless um, personas, which was pretty cool. Um, but I think that uh, you know, hey, hey, sideshow collectible guys, uh, I know you're listening, and uh, I really think there's a Jerry uh, slash Count Crowley that needs to happen. Hell yeah! I want to oh, see yeah. the. the I want to see her axe. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. That made the in real weaponry. Life. The weaponry is just also getting started. We're just gonna oh, because remember, man. there's a tradition to all this stuff, and sure. and Frights hasn't shown her shit yet because he absolutely believes there's no way oh, yeah. in hell a woman is appointed. So this is a waste of time. All you're gonna do is screw things up for us. Um, so he hasn't really. She's just. She's she's in volume two, amateur. In volume one, she was reluctant. Yeah. She didn't even want this job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then when you tell her she can't, Jerry's yeah, the person. Exactly. Oh, really? Oh, she I lights can't. It up. She also re- recognized that that if she, she loves her brother and his family dearly, mm-hmm. they are all she's got. And so to keep them safe, she was going to have to learn how to, how to fight monsters. And so now she's an amateur, but she doesn't know anything yet. And it's... Her weaponry is going to get cooler. And cooler. Oh, I can't wait! Is oh, there man. is there an actor you have in mind when you write her? I've always thought somebody, somebody edgy, like somebody who would surprise you with the choices that they make. You know, some indie, 
but badass actor. I yeah, sure. I mean, it's it, it's it's. I've thought about um, you know somebody who takes big swings and makes crazy cool choices and has badassery about them in their eyes, like an Evan Rachel Wood. I think mm-hmm. Kristen Ritter. I remember when I was watching. Um, her on Jessica Jones and, and maybe that's too similar of a character, but like, she's got that, you know, kind of badassery to her. Um, there's a lot of new actors who I keep being blown away by when every time I watch something, um, God, man, you know, I, I used to dream. Um, I can't, I mean, I can't even, it's crazy to think of her even playing it, but I will say as far as actors go, I was shooting the suicide squad and I was at dinner with my wife at one point in my phone. I looked down at all these messages and notifications. I was like, what the hell is going on? Um, Margo had, I'd been working with Robbie and she went and um, had heard me talking about crown Crowley. She went and got the comics or maybe I had had some on set and gave one, but regardless she ended up like, she never tweets. She never uses social media for anything. She did this whole like, Oh my God, you have to read this comic, blah, blah, blah. That's amazing. Like, That's so cool. Oh. So, but I don't, I don't know. I'd love suggestions too. Cause I feel like there's somebody out there that I haven't even seen yet. And who knows, maybe that person will call and say, Hey, I want to be Count Crowley and then we'll go make a movie or show together. <sighs> Is that know? the intention? I mean, I'd you, love you that. I would to. love that. Yeah. I would love, you know, I would it'd have to be live action, practical effects. Yeah. You bring in, you know, the legacy guys, the folks that have that, like, what is KMB today? What is that yes. feeling of like, yes. what makes everything that feels tactile and visceral? We want werewolves, real hair, you know, and killer actors, yep. a good enough, but it doesn't have to be huge, but just a good enough budget that we could recreate the eighties. I, I will. Uh, yeah. I, 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 it would just has to be the alignment. And I yeah. believe in that, you know, I yeah. believe, look how many miracles have happened in my life. The alignment has come together that I was able to make, the films I've been able to make so far that I was able to be in, the things I've been able to be in, I believe this is absolutely possible. And I just, um, yeah. A thousand percent. What music do you hear when you're writing? Or do you, I have do you playlists like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I have, I have, I'll have to send you guys my Count Crowley playlist. Um, instrumental stuff. Is it both movie score instrumental? Stuff? So it? all the Carpenter stuff, yeah, but also, um, <sighs> You know, uh, old scores and soundtracks from um, 70s horror yeah. and 80s horror, um, even old classic, you know, vintage horror, some contemporary stuff too. Um, rock, a lot of Jerry's very rock and roll. Jerry's got that rock, you know, vibe. I'm trying to see if there's any cool on the list. My Count Crowley uh, playlist includes. You know, some weird stuff. Some I mean, Bauhaus Blondie's on there. Of course, Bauhaus. Yes. Lots nice. of Bauhaus. Nice. Lots of Susie and the Banshee. Yes. You know, I mean, yeah. I've got to have old weird Jackie Morningstar, like Rocking in the Graveyard and yeah. old, you know, um, you name it. Of course. And anything that would be on my old records, uh, I put in there. Boris the Spider, uh, Teenage Creature stuff. The Cramps. I love nice. all that shit. Um all the screaming Jay Hawkins spooky stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. What happens? What happens when? And I'm sure you know, people are listening to this right now. Either maybe they've got an idea for a comic book, maybe they, just to create anything. Maybe they're writing a script and they get stuck and they think, you know, God, what am I doing? I, I, I don't know. I got to stop this, or, or they can't move on and something's blocking them. What do you do when you get that feeling? So many tools. I'm so blessed. I have so many tools. 
um, I will p- pop on Shutter and just scroll and just let movies go and play and and I get inspired by stuff especially watching things that I've never seen before it's always fun and that can be schlock it can be high art horror um doesn't matter what I'm working on I generally go to horror (laughs) even if I'm writing a drama whatever like um just to like get the synapses yeah yeah, it does um I also believe in the power of you know, I, I got really into yoga and meditation during the last couple of years to help me with my anxiety. And sometimes um, getting into doing some yoga, changing my blood, um, uh, you know, my um, my pulse level and going for a walk can be really helpful to just clear my mind and come up with ideas. Um, reading comics, I keep a lot of vintage old comics, but also new stuff. I'm constantly reading, you know, reading comics so other people's art and other people's stories really inspire me for sure um i uh, i i think just shaking the cobwebs loose and playing you know if that's doing a monogram model with my kids or doing a board game we play um i'm not a video game guy as much say like your friends with yarvo he he knows everything there is to know about <laughs> games and so i i play some some video games but i'm as well as Jarvo, who, who is as well, we play very regularly. I'm very into tabletop gaming and long form gaming yeah. and role playing, and I think that's a very good way for me as a as a um, storyteller to shake loose. But a good night of Mansions of Madness will really inspire I've never some played. ideas in me. Any, awesome? Anybody who loves, uh, if you're a Lovecraft guy at all, if you love the 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 the, the, the foreboding the creepiness the horror of of lovecraftian you know storytelling to me mansions just nails it and there's a new one i, I just finished this film in australia the one you were we were talking about earlier that roy roy lee produced um and the directors calling in cameron karens they um they they knew i was into gaming i got them horrified which they already had. I was so heartbroken. <laughs> they already had horrified. <laughs> so I what I got them another game too to go with that, and I got them I got them some cool horror stuff. But um, but they gave me this game Australia, which is Lovecraftian, but like World War One. Oh, interesting. Where basically, all of um the old ones, the Lovecraftian kind of demons and stuff, had been banished to the continent of australia pre-1900 but now as world war one is erupting it's needed as a place um strategically so you're taking your army there to not only get ready for the war but also to defeat the old ones and uh listen to me just really showing my nerve i love it i love it (laughs) and you mentioned so you mentioned shutter and it's got to be said that I mean, Doctor Fearless hosting those Fango Awards, yeah, on so Shutter, so, so amazing. Fun. It's so fun. So, I, I, I got. I know we're keeping you for forever, man. I, yeah. Hopefully, you're okay with another question or yeah, two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's go. <laughs> I, I just wanted to ask just about the conception of Doctor Fearless. Sure. Was it was it something that goes even further beyond the Fangoria Chainsaw yes. Awards? Yes. If you go on YouTube, you can find um, back when the first issue of count crowley was coming out my friend kelly westner who was the marketing um kind of genius behind all of the um a lot of the digital um trailers that dark horse would put out Mm -hmm. with comics usually which were kind of animatic um 
pieces that they would set to music when they were getting ready to launch a new comic. They would take the art from the book and she would cut these really cool trailers together. So she reached out to me and said, do you have any input? Is there, you can be as involved or not as you want. It's totally up to you. And I said, Kelly, this is weird, but what do you think about making um, a bumper as if it's the ad or the beginning of a like old 80s um, horror host show? Um, and she said, oh, my God, I love it. And I was like, we could film it and then and then find some way to, to tie it into making it instead of being him introducing a movie, he's introducing this <laughs> yeah. comic book. Yeah. So I called my good friends at the Bob Baker Marionette Theater here in Los Angeles. They were just moving into their new space on the east side, and they were in this just crumbling old space, but they were building in the theater, which is now a beautiful space. Anyone who's in Los Angeles that hasn't been to the Bob Baker Marionette Theater, oh my God, if yeah. you love... Ugh, the feeling of nostalgia, creepiness, dolls, marionettes. It's just a magical space. But um, we, and you guys have to go to the Halloween show if you haven't been to the Halloween show. It's insane. Oh, it's haven't. so good. I think we went there before it was, it was a live reading of an EC, EC Comics book. Yeah, yeah, yeah we yeah, went you, for that. Yeah, but there was, I don't think there was much puppets that night. Sure, though. sometimes yeah. there's, there's people in the space, but yeah. yeah, you have to go to an actual show. So anyway... We go there, I create this character, Dr. Fearless, who I'd been creating and cobbling together for a long time, just always thinking, like, if I ever had the chance to do a horror host, I yeah. would, I want to be Dr. Fearless, and I thought I would give him this voice, and he'd be so funny, and we could just really, like, go all the way with it, but, um, you know, he's also a bit of a fuck-up, and uh, he... <laughs> He was so fun. I put on the cape. My fr other friend Kelly did put on the makeup. My friend Colin, who directed Animals and All Creatures Here Below, he loves horror hosts. And he, he and I always we used to watch Joe Bob together and still do. And um, Sven Gulli, I mean, guy, Sven Gulli, uh, to the just legend. That guy got me through so many dark nights when I was in Chicago as just uh, incredible. So. So yeah, if you you can find those first ones and then we continue to make, we continued and we still to this day, like I will continue to making Dr. Fearless ads for Count Crowley. So you can find some of those and I'm really proud of them. I think they're very fun and cool. And Dr. Dr. Fearless is in. I, I saw him in a panel in, in, the, in Count Crowley walking in the background. There's a shot of him. <laughs> yes. And uh, I mean, who knows where Dr. Fearless could pop up right? next, you know? Yeah. I, uh... I'm always pitching him. Um, he, <laughs> we'll see. I, I, was, I, I, I wasn't in town this year for Monster Palooza, but I thought of just when, when I am oh, dressing up as Doctor Fearless and just showing yeah. up at Monster Palooza. Oh, all that ancillary stuff that's in the in the books, like the different characters that we see, the uh, Friar Fear and yeah, 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 Sister yeah. Sylvia, like all these people that, oh God, I'd love to see even more stuff from them beyond the narration duties that they do. And it's such a joy with the fan art and, oh, and, and cosplay. A couple of years ago, uh, we went to New York Comic Con to do a Count Crowley signing and my wife was the hottest Count Crowley cosplay I've ever seen. <laughs> but there have been numerous, Lloyd Kaufman actually helped me. We judged, a, there was a Count Crowley cosplay contest no and, way. Um, oh, yeah. Uncle Lloyd, he helped me like judge the contest. It was awesome, man. It was so cool. Yeah. Oh, We've God. had some really rad killer uh, cosplayers um, from all persuasions and all. Although they've always done Count Crowley. So I'm I'm curious as I introduce more characters that can be, you know, um, 
cosplay what who else we might see in the future right right wow and then i an important question i wanted to ask is that the best way to consume this story so i've got some hard copy physical issues Mm -hmm. i've got digital issues because they are selling out honestly (laughs) comic book shops all over town are literally selling out of this book which is great and people are ordering them and asking for them i'm never the first and uh I just kind of wanted to know as far as just some, for someone who consumes it and, and the different ways of experiencing this story, what are the differences versus single issue? Are you getting something uh, different from the physical single issue versus the digital issue? And then finally, are you getting something different in the volumes that collects all four issues in one versus buying each single issue? Thank you for asking the question. And I think it really depends on your proclivity as a comic book, you know, consumer, if you're new to comics or you're not really familiar with how comics work, um, generally not always, but, but generally a lot of comics come out as single issues, which usually 20 page, you know, issues in the traditional format that you're used to seeing. Um, and when you think of the term graphic novel, what a lot of us in the, the, the publishing of comic book world, um, think of is what are also referred to as trade paperbacks where now there are graphic novels which are just those larger books that those of you who are listening have seen and you know you know what a graphic novel is um a longer bigger comic book but but a, a trade paperback generally takes a number of issues somewhere between four and six issues sometimes up to eight of a of a run of a comic book and then once they've been out and now they're no longer in single issue print combines those stories and publishes them as something that looks like what you think of as a graphic novel. Um, we have one of those out now, which is for volume one of Count Crowley, which was the introduction of the character and how the story began. There's four issues. Um, so it's an 80 page book, but included with that comes a bunch of never before seen art, alternate covers, mm. um, uh, some writing from me, some writing from my editor, some writing from my artist. I highly recommend if you're curious about getting in, I think they're fairly inexpensive. You can go to most comic shops and get the Count Crowley trade paperback, or you can get it online um, for like 19 bucks. Um, if you're just a digital consumer and you're, and you, and that's the way you love reading things. My wife is a digital comic reader. I'm not, but she reads, um, I don't even remember what it's called. I'm such a nerd. I'm so old. She's like always, she's always like, like, like yeah, she's just reading her comics, her web comics, webtoons. She's on webtoons all the time. Um, she uses comiXology, whatever, but um, I'm more of a print guy. Yeah. I collect single issues still. So, so right now out there, you can go get volume one of um, Count Crowley, which will introduce you and, t- and begin the story for you. What's going on right now is we're publishing the single issues of volume two. So if you walked into a comic shop today, you would see issue three of the new volume. There's one more issue left in this volume, which is issue four, which will be coming out very soon. And oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, I cannot wait for you to read it because it is... Oh, it's I left. I put all my blood and sweat and tears into this one so that um, you could probably go into most comic shops and say, hey, I'm looking for the new Count Crowley's and they could help you put together um, most of the issues that are in volume two, although I know some have sold out. Um, And then we will eventually publish a volume two trade paperback, which will be a collection of those issues. Um, 
And I don't know if the one shot, what's called a one shot, what that means is like a single issue story that exists all by itself. Yeah. So we have a special one shot that will be coming out in October from myself and Steve Niles. I don't know how that, if, if that will only exist as a single issue comic that might not ever be part of like any trades sure. or omnibuses or anything like that. We'll, we'll have to see, but okay. yeah, I'd, I'd, it would mean a lot if you're, if you're listening, I know you're obviously a horror fan and, um, and uh, if you if you give it a shot, uh, I think you'll dig it. Um, it does uh, hopefully make you laugh, but it definitely has some great gore and horror included. It's got all that. Yeah. As, as big fans, yeah, I yeah. can vouch for that. Any more questions before we? Yeah, take you off know, here? I was thinking how the next, like as you mentioned, the next logical step would be television series or movie, right? To, to yeah, yeah, flesh out your 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 vision here. But there's an in-between uh, technology that's about to be re- revealed, I think. And once Apple releases their AR, VR device, and we're months away from that. Yeah. It's going to be game changer for possibilities of what we can do with media. And I'm thinking, is there any thoughts of possibly bringing, like you, you mentioned, chasing that scare on paper? Yeah. Like bringing it to AR or VR where you can now view your comics through these goggles or lenses and You know what I have to do? I, I have to get Yarvo... Oh yeah, who knows about <laughs> how VR all that stuff, works? Man, yeah, <laughs> um, he's created uh, VR experiences that scare the crap out of people. Like when um, I know he did one for the Hive. He might have done one for um, Brightburn as well. But I know he's done them for and for other people's projects too. Um, yeah, ap- ap- absolutely. I mean, our world is changing by the day, and yeah. the way we get to consume story is evolving. And as much of a traditionalist as I am that I love a, you know, paper and staple comic book, I also love the idea of like, what game could there be for Crowley in the future? Is there, is there also a video game? Is there a tabletop game? Is there, um, a VR, you know, experience? Um, like I would love to create, um, when, um, Rich Barnes, who was the previous Count Crowley has vanished his house, um, is a bit of a house of mystery mm-hmm. and, be, and there's things to that house that we haven't ex- even seen yet in the comic book. And I thought it would be really cool to create like a VR experience oh, where you get to go in cool. and there's, there's things like at your home, pulling certain books reveals mm-hmm. secret passages or secret hiding things. Yeah. There's so much that Jerry doesn't even know yet. Um, it'd be a fun experience and yeah. some stuff that's actually really scary that's lurking there still oh man awesome. if you're listening to this come on get inside the count crowley world i assure you yep. you will not regret it i assure you and to leave on 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 a on another positive note for this book i know the antithesis of antithesis of what we talked about earlier in that line hope is a dreamer's distraction and cry of the werewolf Jerry herself says, but it's, uh, she says to a werewolf who says, but uh, it's hopeless. I'm hopeless. And she says, no, you're not. We have to clean all this up. We can get you help. And that moment really resonated with me a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. yeah. There's, um, there's an amazing creator in the world today. Her name's Emile Ferris. And if you're not, if you don't know that name, you guys got to go find her. She wrote a book called My Favorite Thing is Monsters. It's a graphic novel in the truest form. It wasn't published as single issue comics. It came out as a big, beautiful graphic novel. And it's written from the perspective of a 12 year old girl who was a true dyed in the wool monster kid. And it actually looks like it's on notebook paper. Oh, and Emile cool. is one of the best artists living right now and her whole 
philosophy. It goes so far and so deep in the pages of this graphic novel that she wrote. But one of the ideas that she that she really um, expresses so eloquently, so much more eloquently than I ever could, is um, that we live in a world populated by monsters, by good monsters, and there's bad monsters. Yeah. And I feel this sense of responsibility as having been what society would have deemed a bad monster. I was somebody that looked and behaved as bad as you can possibly look and behave. I stole from people. I lied to people. I, I, I manipulated people. My addiction and my mental illness, you know, caused me to behave in ways that, um, you know, certain, certain people in our society would say, what's the point of that person's life? that person is a bad monster. They should be put down, you know, kind of like Cujo. Like, do we just put them down? Do you just put them away? Where do you throw them away? How do we get rid of these people who are asleep on our sidewalks? who are talking to themselves in front of our Ralphs when all we want to do is buy some cereal. Like, what do we do with these bad monsters? And, and I think there's hope. There's hope. Look at me today. I'm now what I like to consider to be a pretty good monster. I still do messed up stuff and I make mistakes, but I, I'm able to be a productive member of society and use, you know, this weird knowledge that I have of things, you know, um, to entertain people and tell stories and hopefully, you know, tickle funny bones and warm hearts and remind people that they're not alone. And um, and so I think we got to protect and help fight for the good monsters and we've got to battle against the bad monsters. And uh, and and that's. That's that's a that's a theme that I hope uh, anybody who picks up Crowley re- it resonates with, and anybody who's listening that feels alone, or if you're battling with addiction, or if you feel like your life isn't worth living, I guarantee you it is. You're so important, and you're so special, and you don't even realize, you know, how many of us feel exactly the same way that you do. You're not alone. The world wants to trick you into believing that, but you're not. And there's resources out there that are absolutely free. I didn't have a dime in the world when I got myself clean and sober. I didn't have a friend i did have friends but i didn't have any that could talk to me at that time because mm-hmm. smartly they had tough loved me and um and you can go right to the it, as crazy as it seems there's great resources there's a hub online samsa samhsa which will it's a free resource through the government that will lead you to any of the uh, mental health resources you may need or recovery resources you may need um and uh and just just remember you're a good monster and uh and we'll fight for you beautifully said man yeah. well david thank you so much for creating these extraordinary worlds for us time and time again with uh, passion and reverence for the incredible genre that we all love so much um you only make it that much richer man thank you yeah. so much thank you monster kids unite (laughs) as i like to say creep it real my friends nice i love it there it came out i I finally got to do my creepy voice (laughs) (laughs) that was the boot crew podcast episode 361 special thanks to our guest david dasmalchin the time of release pick up volume two issue four of his amazing horror comic book count crowley amateur midnight monster hunter and the new count crowley criminal macabre crossover available everywhere now and hey if you like what you are hearing and you haven't done so already 
We know it's a lot to ask, but we'd appreciate it so much if you go over to Apple Podcast, rate the show, subscribe, and if you got a few moments, write a quick review, just a few quick words. Absolutely makes our day and keeps the show coming. Production tracks for this episode provided by Powerman 5000. Till next time, this is Trevor, and on behalf of myself, Lauren and Leo, it is the Boo Crew saying, sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the bloody disgusting Podcast Network. Bye. A bloody disgusting podcast network. Home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews. SCP archives. Weekly full-cast storytelling. Horror queers. Genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective. And creepy. For disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.